0: Well, welcome again to Christmas at Central, and I know that you have had the opportunity to, um, hopefully many of you have had the opportunity to gather with family that you aren't normally able to be with and honor some family traditions that are important to you, and uh, it was really special for me tonight to welcome my mom. This is Roxanne Snodgrass, and she's able to join us for Christmas, and uh, it's just exciting to be able to gather um, with family and do all of those things. But nothing is more important than these moments that we have here together. These moments in which we, in the middle of shopping, in the middle of knocking things off our to-do list and buying gifts and presents for one another, in the middle of all that, we gather with our community of faith and we remember that Christ has come into the world. The gift of God's one and only Son has come, and His presence transforms our life. Um, speaking of family traditions and stuff, Mom and I were just having a moment there um, as we read from Luke chapter 2. When I was five years old, she got the, the, the brilliant idea that, that um, I should memorize Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, the Christmas story. And it was something that was going on at church, and I think there was a children's talent competition involved. And um, she wanted to honor the Lord, of course, by having her child memorize. But I think she wanted to win, too. And she thought, if, if my five-year-old can recount the Christmas story, then certainly um, that'll win for our, for our church. Um, and uh, somehow I was able to memorize that. Uh, and, and, and I know it, I, I remember it every year because, you know, the NIV smooths it out a little bit. I remember, I, I memorized it in the King James. Um, and, and so that part where it says, and they were greatly afraid, King James says they were sore afraid, okay? They were sore afraid. I'm telling you, it, it, there's nothing wrong with the King James. If it was good enough for Linus and Charlie Brown, it's good enough for us, right? They were sore afraid. Hey, but you know, what's interesting uh, about that memory that I have, um, I, 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 I say that to say um, I've been telling the Christmas story For quite some time now, been a pastor for almost 20 years, and um, this 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 goes back a while for me. This this is sort of a a tradition for me of getting to tell the Christmas story every year. And I'll tell you something, friends. The story's the same every year. It's Augustus Caesar, Quirinius was governor. It's Mary. It's Joseph. It's shepherds. It's angels. But it's Jesus. And and because Jesus is in the story, every year we tell it, every year we hear it, God does something new in our hearts and in our lives. And so I'm glad that we're gathered here tonight to tell the story of Christmas one more time. Something dawned on me this year as I was preparing for this moment and and for us to tell the story of Christmas again. We have a, a tradition in our house where we collect nativity sets. And because we have... Lauren has been able to travel, and and she grew up in West Africa. She grew up in the Ivory Coast, um, and we've been able to visit and go different places. We've had the opportunity to to acquire nativity sets from different parts of the world. And so we have a nativity set from West Africa. Uh, Not too long ago, we were in Bethlehem, and we were able to purchase a nativity set in Bethlehem. How awesome is that, to have a nativity set from the birthplace of Jesus So we have that in our home. Um, My friend who was working at African Nazarene University sent me a nativity set from Nairobi, uh, and that's proudly displayed in our home. Uh, And then we've been able to pick up a few in other places. And then I was visiting with some friends uh, before this service that was sharing with me that that's part of their tradition as well. And something dawned on me as we were setting out all those nativity sets in our home— that just serve as this reminder of, of this story of what God has done in Christ. The, they all had a different flavor to them. All of them embodied their culture. All of them, the, 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 the players in the n- different nativity sets, some of them had different skin tones. And some of them were shaped differently. And some of them were, sh- were, were, were made of different materials, whatever was available to the craftsman in that context and in that location. And what the Lord sort of said to me is, I was thinking about the diversity of all of our nativity sets. The Lord reminded me of what the angel said. It's Luke chapter 2, verse 14. The ina- angel announced to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. All people. What God has done in Christ, this is amazing, He's given this gift, this gift of His one and only Son, And the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it has this amazing way of of contextualizing itself. In whatever culture, in whatever place, the good news is shared. People receive it, and it becomes a part of them, and it transforms them, and then they are able to do this amazing thing of reflect the transformation of God in their own language and culture and, and, and distinctiveness. See, the the, the words of the angel has been fulfilled again and again and again, that this good news is for everybody. This good news is for everybody. That's the first thing I want to say to you about what we're celebrating tonight. The good news of Jesus Christ is for every person on planet Earth. It's for everyone. Not just for people that I agree with. Not just for people who look like me. Not just for people... Who have money, not just for people who are poor, although it was first announced to the poorest in that time and in that place. But the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. and let me tell you why that's such good news, because you may come into this place, you may come into this moment and your heart is broken. You may come into this moment and you're hurting. You may come into this moment and say, I I don't have it all together. Not only was I unable to buy for everyone on my list, but my family's just a mess right now. My life's just a mess right now. Christmas doesn't look anything like I want it to look. Can I share some good news with you? Christ is for everyone. What Christ wants to do in your life It's for the brokenhearted. It's for the hurting. It's for the grieving. It's for those who are missing someone. Maybe this is your first Christmas without a loved one or a family member, and it's just so difficult for you. The the gospel, the good news, is for everyone. And so we can bring our hurts. We can bring our discouragement. We can bring our pain. We can bring our needs into this place and hear this good news. Not only is it for everyone, but here's the thing. The second thing I want to say to you about what we're celebrating tonight is that this good news, it will change your life. It will change and it will transform your life. If you're grieving tonight, there's hope in the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're hurting tonight, there is healing in the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're discouraged tonight, the good news of Jesus Christ lifts you up God has come near in Christ. And, and because God has come near, he has entered into our situation. He knows what it's like to hurt. He knows what it's like to be discouraged. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He's entered into that situation, and he has conquered all of that through his life, death, and resurrection. One of the greatest truths that we can say about this miracle of the Incarnation what has happened in, in God becoming flesh is what one of the early church fathers said about what's happening here at Christmas time. And that is this truth that God became like us so that we might become like Him. Think about that. That God became like us in Christ. God put on flesh. He became like one of us. He walked on our earth. He stubbed his toe and it hurt. He got the stomach flu and it wasn't fun. He was betrayed. He was hurt. He was left alone. He was discouraged. All of those things that that we have experienced. God became like one of us, and He conquered it through His life, death, and resurrection. And because of His resurrection, we can become like Him. We can share in His holiness. And that's the, the greatest gift that He has given us in salvation is not only forgiving us of our sins, but, but transforming us in such a way and giving us such a gift so that we can not only be forgiven, we can be transformed. We can be like Him. We can become like Him because of what He has done for us. There's a, the great hymn of the church. It, it, it uses an image that I think is so helpful sometimes. The hymn says, it has this phrase, Christ our brother. That's a, that's, a, that's a tremendous statement. To think about the second person of the Trinity, the person who has all divinity, all power, who was eternally God, who was with God, as John chapter 1 says, to describe Christ as our brother. And, and it, it's this image that, that Christ is that big brother that, that goes ahead of us, that goes before us, that, that prepares the way for all that we endure in life. That snapped into focus for me this week. Um, we have a little tradition where we go to Branson at Christmas time. And one of the things we do at Branson is we go to Silver Dollar City. Now, I did not say steal your dollar city, although it feels that way sometimes. But just a few days ago, right before the snowpocalypse came in and, and ravaged the Midwest, right before that on Wednesday, we were able to go to Silver Dollar City. And one of the things I love about that theme park is the roller coasters. They're awesome. They've done a great job of building some amazing roller coasters. And for as long as we've been going there as a family, the adrenaline junkies in our family, it's, it's Paul and me. It's me, it's me and Paul. We are the adrenaline junkies, man. We will ride any roller coaster. doesn't matter how high it is. It doesn't matter how fast it goes. Like, we're all in. We're going to ride those. And we've tried to encourage Lauren and Luke to, to ride those with us. Um, Lauren has decided at, at, at where she's at in life, she's never been a big roller coaster person and doesn't feel led to begin. And so she's pretty much drawn a line in the sand, nope. Not doing it. But Luke's impressionable. And, and so we tried one more time this go-around to encourage Luke. Come on, man, ride Outlaw Run with us. It's awesome. It's not that scary. It doesn't go that fast. And I don't know. I guess Luke's just getting a little older and getting a little more brave. And at the encouragement of his big brother, he said, You know what? I'm going to do it. And he jumps on Outlaw Run, and he rode that with Paul. And they were off to the races, riding all the roller coasters, and they had a great time. But I think about how Paul paved the way. How Paul was that big brother. How Paul was that guy that went ahead of Luke to say, Look, I've ridden it. I made it. I survived. I did it. You can do it too. And in some small way, that's just a tiny, minuscule picture of what God has done in the Incarnation. In sending His one and only Son, Christ joins Himself to our humanity. He becomes our brother. He, he, he comes into the equation and He experiences all the things that it means to be human and He overcomes them by living without sin. And because He lived without sin, He was especially and uniquely qualified to go to the cross and to die death that He didn't deserve to die. But in submitting Himself to death, Having lived a sinless life, he surrendered himself to the will of the Father and he was raised to new life. And because Christ has conquered death, hell, and the grave, we too can conquer death, hell, and the grave through him. And so this good news will change your life. It's for everyone. It's for the hurting. It's for the broken. It's for the discouraged. It's for the imperfect It's for the sinner. It's for the person whose life is in shambles. It's for all of those people, and it will change your life. God became like us so that we might become like him. But here's the third thing I want you to know about what we're celebrating tonight you cannot experience this vicariously through someone else, you have to experience it for yourself. You have to experience it for yourself. The angel came, announced to the shepherds, I've got good news of great joy that will be for all people. And then what did the angel tell the shepherds to do? To go see this thing. And they went to Bethlehem, and the shepherds experienced it for themselves. They were there. They saw Mary. They saw Joseph. And they saw Mary's baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. What does Luke tell us? just as the angel had told them they experienced it for themselves and friend if you're here tonight and you have not experienced it for yourself let me share something with you god is here he is as close to us right now in this sanctuary as the shepherds were to him on that first christmas Because of the gift of God's Holy Spirit, we are as close to God tonight as those shepherds were when they first greeted the baby Jesus. And you have to experience it for yourself. It's it's funny, my mom's here. I get to tell this story with her here. But I grew up in a little town in South Carolina. It's It's called Orangeburg, South Carolina. It's in between Columbia and Charleston. It was the county seat uh but you'd have to work kind of hard to find it um but there was a there was a guy in our town his name was mr stroman i don't even know his first name i just knew him as as mr stroman but but long before we got to orangeburg he decided he was a woodworker and he decided you know what i want to create the most amazing nativity display in my front yard i don't want to just hang a few a bunch of lights i want to do something that tells the story of jesus and so he went to his wood shop and he began to carve out some, some characters out of wood. And he, of course he started with a manger and then he carved these characters out of wood. He made a Mary, he made a Joseph, he built a creche, he shined some lights on it, then he hung lights over it, and, and every year he would build onto it. Well by the time I was 8, 9, 10 years old, it was a thing. Like the, the newspaper covered it every year, it was a really big deal. People would drive by Mr. Stroman's house all night long. He would start right after Thanksgiving. He'd light it all up. And from Thanksgiving to Christmas Day, people would drive by his house every night to see his Christmas display. It was pretty incredible. He, had, he took a wire and he hung it across his front yard. And, and uh, there were angels that were hanging on the wire, and then he put a big star up in the middle of his front yard, and and he had sheep everywhere, and the shepherds were there, and it was just incredible. And we would go there like all the other families in town, and, and, and he was so gracious. He would let people walk through his front yard and walk through the sheep he had, you know, cut out there and walk through the shepherds and walk under the angels, and he had some music playing, and and the, the pathway sort of ended right there at the manger scene. And there he had, you know, Luke chapter 2 on a, on a cutout. And you could read that and, and see all that he had done there. It was really a special experience. Well, one night after church, said, hey, Mom, Dad, can we go to Mr. Stroman's? I want to go to Mr. Stroman's again. I want to see the Christmas display. And we had a busy day the next day. And, and, and you know, I remember my dad saying, look, we don't have time to get out but we can drive by. Are you okay if we drive by? And I thought, oh, that's better than nothing. Let's, let's drive by Mr. Stroman's. So we hopped in the car. We drove across town. And there was everybody getting out of their cars, doing the walk, seeing everything that he had. And I remember the feeling, and it was a much different feeling, but I remember just sort of driving by. And I remember how unsatisfied I was to just to just drive by the experience and to not get to sit with it and appreciate it and experience it for myself it wasn't the same it wasn't the same at all and on this christmas eve can i tell you something about the story that we're telling tonight can i tell you something about this, this christ who has made himself known by in, in our in our gathering tonight Do not drive by this gift. Do not drive by this gift of God's presence. Do not drive by this good news. I know you're busy. I know there's things on your list. And I know this holiday season presents all kinds of ways for you to be distracted and be thinking about lots of other things. But friends, let me encourage you to slow down and to experience this good news for yourself. You cannot drive by this. You cannot experience it vicariously through someone else. The best way, the only way to experience this good news is for yourself to pause and to say, Lord, I want to receive this good news that is of great joy that's for all people and that includes me. To just slow down and say, Lord, I want to receive this precious gift the gift of your one and only son before we go to communion tonight we're going to receive the lord's supper but before we do that if you're here tonight and you're maybe exploring questions of faith if you're exploring what this whole christmas thing is all about i I hope it's been made clear to you it's about jesus it's about what god has done in christ And this message, this good news, it will transform and it will change your life. But you have to experience it for yourself. You have to, in faith, say, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you. I I want to surrender my life to you, and I want to receive this gift of salvation. And the good news is that God is faithful to come into our lives. When we open our lives to him, when we say, Lord— I want to experience it for myself. I want to receive this gift. The Lord is faithful to come into our lives, to forgive us of our sins, to cast them as far as the east is from the west, to give us a new start, to put his Holy Spirit in us and enable us to live a life that pleases him. And so, before we take communion tonight, is there somebody here that would say, You know, that's me? I'm tired of driving by. I'm tired of seeing other people experience it. I want to experience it for myself. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your one and only son. We thank you that you became like us so that we could become like you. Lord, I pray for that person gathered here tonight that's saying, I'm tired of driving by. I want to experience Jesus. I want to experience the gift of your one and only Son. Lord, would you hear their cry, of their, their confession of faith tonight? Would you enter into their life? And would you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, begin to transform them? And Lord, this is a good reminder for all of us to say thank you for the gift that you've given to us. Thank you for the forgiveness that we have received in Christ. And thank you for what you're doing in our lives. You are so good to us, Father, and we are so blessed. We love you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.